tonight I want to talk to you about something called the exchange. And, and it's kind of the theme of tonight. It's on the bracelets. It's, I think it's on the poster. But it's more than just a theme and it's more than just a word. Because I want to tell you something that the Lord wants to come in and he wants to exchange some things with you. The first thing I want to hit on is that this isn't just something that we just do up here because it's fun. I want to tell you that this is not something that I just do just because I feel like this is a good way to make money because it's not. Any ministers in the house say amen. It's not a good way to make money. There's better ways to make money than to do this. And I didn't do this because I felt like this was going to be a good way to, for a business avenue for me to dive into. I did this because I love Jesus. And when I encountered him, I couldn't ever just walk away the same. And when I encountered Jesus, there was something that I experienced in a moment in his presence that told me that he was bigger than just a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night if you're charismatic. On a Wednesday night, you go to church. On a Wednesday night, you go to a charismatic church. Just in case you didn't know, that's what the, that is. But it, I've realized that he's, he wanted more from me than just the two hours I gave him on Sunday morning and the two hours I gave him on Wednesday night because I found out that didn't cut it. That didn't cut it for me. Because I would go and I would do it and I would give him that time. But there was something I had encountered in his presence that said there's more to him than just two hours on a Sunday morning and two hours on a Wednesday night. And that he wanted more for me in my life than just those two hours. And something I think we want to provoke every person in the room in here for, whether you've known or been saved for all your life or maybe you don't even know or not even normally come to church. I don't know. But we want to provoke you into a pursuit of Jesus that's for your every day. That's relationship. That's walking it out. Not just a book of rules to follow so you feel better about yourself. It's a relationship with what the first song Now I Sing said. It's to hold the creator of the universe's hand. And my question for you tonight is do you know what it's like to have a relationship with the one who created the universe? Do you know what it's like to hold his hand and to walk it out every day? Or is it just the two hours on a Sunday morning or two hours on a Wednesday night? And that's not a bad thing. But I'm saying there's so much more to that. There's so much more. And I want to hit on Matthew 13, 44. In Matthew 13, 44, and I'm going to take this a direction that is not normally taken. But Matthew 13, 44, it says this. Jesus gives a parable of the kingdom of heaven. And it says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And the man that finds that treasure sold everything to buy that field so that he may have the treasure. It says that he sold everything. Okay, now, how I've always heard that little verse preached is you need to sell everything and go after Jesus. And as a kid, you're just like, dude, I'm 15. Like, what do I have to sell? Like, do you want me to go live under a bridge and just tattoo all in for Jesus on my chest and just sit there? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's things in your lives that's more than just like tangible things that he wants to take away from you so that he can give you more of him. Isaiah 61 talks about that he gives us oil of joy for mourning, that he gives us the spirit of praise for heaviness, that he gives us strength for sorrow. So these things that I'm talking about of selling everything, 
I want you to understand that he wants to take anxiety. He wants to take depression. He wants to take addiction. He wants to take weight off of your shoulders from everyday life. And these are the things that we have to sell and get to the place to where we give them to him because they're not ours to have anymore. And this is the divine exchange. And that's how we find ourselves growing ever closer to him. I'm not saying go sell everything and live under a bridge and tattoo all in for Jesus on your chest. I'm saying he wants to have this every day with you. And that doesn't look like this radical thing of like, I'm going to, at 15 years old, move to a Muslim country and preach the gospel on a street corner and get shot. Like, that's not the kind of radical I'm saying. The radical kind of saying is, let's walk with him every day in a relationship. And that's what he wants. He wants to hold your hand and walk through issues in your life and walk through problems. And through this, the world gets flipped upside down. I'm going to read out of a story. I don't have a pulpit, so this is kind of weird. So I'm going to set it over here. I'm going to read out of a story, Matthew 19, chapter 19, verse 16, all the way through until chapter 20. Is that good with everybody? If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, I'm a pretty good reader. So just listen. Sometimes I'm kind of a good reader. All right, verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? I already have an issue with this guy. My first issue is that this man doesn't understand who he's talking to. He asked, what good deed must I do? He didn't have an understanding that the one who was the good one was standing in front of him. And he was going to do every deed needed for that man to have eternal life. Because he took care of every weight. Jesus on the cross took care of every weight for you. He did all the good deeds that you ever could possibly need to do in your life. And he set us free so that we can live freely for him. Okay. Sorry. I'm just going to rabbit trail all through this text. Next thing. Jesus said, why ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Dude's just like, bro, I, I got this down, I've been to Sunday school. I've been there, I know it, I've not killed anybody. And he said, I've obeyed all these commandments, what else must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect... Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. And I just want to, I just want to slap this dude. Because you don't understand the invitation he just got. Do you realize that this man just received an invitation that only 12 men in the entire world ever received? Come and follow me. There was 12 men known as the disciples that followed Jesus. And up until this point, no one else had gotten that invitation specifically from Jesus face to face besides this man. So he missed out on an invitation. Jesus just didn't frivolously give away to just anybody. I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? It's Jesus, man. Come on. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And the disciples were astounded. And then, then they said, who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You see, this man had no idea the return that he would get for selling everything. He had no idea the return he was going to get for being all in for Jesus. He had no idea how good the man was standing in front of him actually was. Because when Jesus was asking him for to sell everything, he wasn't asking him to be desolate and poor. No, he had something better for him. And this is what he says in the next passage. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? I love Peter's boldness to just ask selfish, selfishly, man, what do we get? You know, by the way, I've been following you for about a year and sold everything. Do we get something out of this? I think they were all scared to ask that. But Jesus replied, I, sure, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, and that you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are in the greatest or who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So we see that Jesus says that the return for this man would have been a hundredfold. A hundredfold. If this man would have just waited around. For two more minutes, he would have heard the goodness of the Lord say, everything you gave up, I'm giving you back a hundredfold. You see, he's not asking everything of you because he's a dictator and he just wants to rule your life. He's asking everything of you because he has something so much better for you to live in. And it's more than just two hours on a Sunday morning and two hours on a Wednesday night because that don't cut it. He wants everything so he can infiltrate everything. Jesus said, I've come to make you and have life and life more abundant. That's not about heaven. That's about life. That's about here, now, and forever. And I'm not like, you have to understand that Jesus, he's not just saying, just give me everything and you just go be sad over in the corner because you have nothing now. He's saying, no, if you give me everything, I'm going to give you a hundredfold back better than what you ever could have imagined. I'm going to fill every empty space. Why then do we hold back from giving him everything of our lives? Why then, and this is what I began to ask myself, is like, because there would be parts of me that I'd just be like, Father, I, I just can't, I don't know if you want that. Like for years I held on to shame. Because for years I was addicted to pornography and it built up all this shame because at 12 years old I got a call of God in my life but I still battled with that secret sin and no one knew about it. And it built up this arena of shame in my life to the point that I was like, I deserve this shame because I'm just a little screw up. And I deserve to feel this way because it's going to help me do better. It's going to help me do better tomorrow and serve you more, Lord. So I'm going to just hold on to this shame. And he's sitting here and he's saying, no, 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 I bought that too. And I want that thing too. He wants every part of your life. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. And it's not this like overwhelming thing where it's like, this, is, this life's going to suck now. No, it's not that. It's he's going to give you joy beyond compare. The oil of joy for mourning. 
the spirit of praise for heaviness. It's Isaiah 61. See, this man, when he stood in front of Jesus, he didn't know his nature that was prophesied in Isaiah 61. Way before he was ever born, before Jesus was ever on the earth, Isaiah the prophet stood up and said, this is what he's going to be like, this is what he's going to sound like, and this is what he's going to do in the earth. And that man failed to realize the nature of the one standing in front of him. And that's that he is so good. The goodness of God, the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. That word repentance in the Greek means metanoia, which means transformation. If we are going to be changed in our lives to the point we're utterly transformed inside and out, then we have one thing to do that, and it's the goodness of the Lord. And for years, I just thought that that was like, I don't want to touch the goodness. Because I don't want to get over here off into this weird ultra grace thing. And so I just held on to my shame when I realized that I'm beginning to realize and believe that it's only by the goodness of God that we are transformed. Only by the goodness of God. Me understanding the goodness of God is the one thing that will transform me and keep me. Understand this. It's the goodness of God that transforms your life and it's the fear of the Lord that keeps you. I said it's the goodness of God that transforms your life and it's the fear of the Lord that keeps you. And it never works if it's flipped. It never works if it's flipped. So this man's standing in front of him and he gets the invitation from Jesus. And he doesn't understand how good he is. And I can prove it to you because he didn't realize that the return was going to be so much better for what he had to give. He had no idea what he was going to exchange for. That he was going to get to walk with Jesus and see blind eyes open. The deaf hear. Lepers healed. Watch grace hang itself on the tree. On the tree. On the tree. Jesus help me. On the tree. And then see that man that was once dead rise up three days later and be in an upper room where tongues like fire came and landed upon him. He missed out on all of that because he didn't realize one thing. That the man that was standing in front of him was the good one. He was the good one. And I want to provoke you all into a lifestyle with Jesus that is an everyday Radical burning for him with everything that you have inside of here. Because he gave everything he had for us. But in order for you to do that and actually maintain it, you have to understand that he's so good. That he's so good. And that first verse I quoted, Matthew 13, 44. That the treasure hidden in the field, the man found it and sold everything to buy that field. So that he could have that treasure. That verse just isn't just about Jesus being the treasure in the field. It can be flipped. When I began to understand this, I began to understand that I was the treasure hidden in the field. And Abba in heaven, the Father in heaven, came and bankrupted heaven and bought me out of my dirt. So that he could have the treasure hidden in the field. I said so he could have the treasure hidden in the field. He sold everything, bankrupted heaven. And let me prove it to you this. In, in not only Deuteronomy, but also Exodus, the, the, the Father in heaven, Yahweh, says to his people, the Israelites, that they are his prized treasure. So when Jesus is saying this on the scene at that day and that time to the Jewish people that are standing before him, they would have immediately connected their minds to, that's about us. That's not about us selling everything. It's about he came and sold everything to have us. And here's the point I want to drive home tonight. 
in order for us to be able to live this life and say yes to following Jesus and selling everything and leaving everything else behind. And I'm not saying literally go home, sell all your stuff. Say, Deuces, mom and dad, I'm leaving. Where are you going, son? I'm going to follow Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he wants you to sell that depression that you think you deserve. He wants you to sell that anxiety that's on your life. He wants you to sell that addiction that's been holding you bound in the private closet. He wants you to sell that shame that you think somewhere inside of you, you somewhere somehow believe that you think that you deserve that. I'll prove to you that you don't. It's interesting to me that it says he bought the field. He didn't buy the, he didn't buy the treasure. He bought the field. Why? Because it was a declaration that he was going to buy your dirt. He bought your dirt. Whatever issues in your life, whatever struggles, whatever, it doesn't matter. He came and he bought that, so that's no longer yours. We have no right to hold on to the thing that he bought and paid for in full, and that was the dirt, not the treasure. He bought the dirt so the treasure could be uncovered and that so it could never be submerged ever again beneath the dirt. I said he bought the dirt so that the treasure could never be submerged beneath the dirt ever again. And even when we go back and we cover ourselves back up in the dirt two weeks later after we realized he bought us, he comes and he digs us out again. And because he bought you with the price of heaven. Your worth is not determined by the dirt that's covering you. It's determined by the fact that Jesus hung on the tree. I said your worth is not determined by the dirt that surrounds you, that's on top of you, that you still have on your arms as you've come out of that field. It's determined by the one who rose up out of that grave. You don't understand your worth? Let me tell you about your worth. It was worth sending Jesus to die on a cross, to be made into man, the one he very created, humbled himself into his own creation, and then let his creation crucify him on a cross. And he would have done it if it was just one of us here on earth. If it was just me, porn addicted me, and nobody else, he would have done it over and over again if he had to, but he was having me come home. He was done with me hiding in my dirt. And I don't know what issues you came in here with. I don't care because he already bought it. He bought every last bit of your dirt, whether it's big, small, or little. I don't care. If it's anxiety to where you just, you have anxiety and you go into class or something and a test comes up and you just shake uncontrollably because you're so nervous that you're going to fail that test. He wants that thing too because that's not the abundance of life he's talking about. Why? Because he wants, see, when we move him out of the two hours, on Sunday morning and the two hours on Wednesday night, then we allow him to be able to flood every part of our life. And as crazy as that seems, that means when he's watching a movie, you can feel him. Or when you're watching a movie, you can feel him. Sounds crazy, but I love movies. And I've been in movies and began to weep under the presence of the Lord because I'm just feeling him in the room. You can be taking a test and be like, God, I don't know the answers to any of this. I need your help. Don't study like that, but sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary. And he can lift that anxiety. Why? Because he cares about you. Because you are worth everything for him. For him. You were worth all of heaven. You hear me? You were worth all of heaven. 
any doubt in your mind that says, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not really worth this. My, I hate the way I look. He wants that too. Your self-hatred, he wants that too. That's not yours. That's dirt he bought and nailed into his own hands. I'm really passionate about this because I believed these lies for years. And I sat where you sat and I just looked at the pulpit and I really didn't believe that he wanted me. I really didn't believe it. Because I had the lie of this. Because someone told me that because I came every Sunday and Wednesday night. I mean, someone didn't really tell me this, but this is kind of the mentality. You come every Sunday, Wednesday night. You must be called by God. Because whenever a teenager shows up every Sunday and Wednesday night, they have a call of God on their life. And you all have calls of God in your life. But for some reason, they're just like, here's the microphone. You're called into ministry. And I thought that I needed to get set free of sin so he could use me. You need to get set free from sin because he wants to be able to be near you, not so he can use you. You need to understand that he's not here saying, clean your act up so I can use you and so you can save souls. No, his first priority is clean your act up. Oh, I'm going to clean your act up so you can come near. So you can sit right beside me, the one who created you, your father in heaven, and have relationship. We'll worry about the details later. And we'll worry about the soul saving later. Because I'm more concerned about having you back in the house. He is more concerned with having you sit next to him in an everyday lifestyle relationship than he is, than you ever holding it, than you ever being up here. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about sell everything and go pursue ministry. And if that's what you're called to do, then by God, do it. But he wants the everyday and he wants the, the dirt out of the way so he can be near you. And it's up to us. The dirt that separates us, we put there. We chose it. He ripped the veil in half. It's up to us whether we come through or not. We can either sit and wait, but he already made a way where there was no way. And it's up to us to choose it. It's up to us to say yes to this thing. It's up to us to realize he's saying, the guy missed out on the most important call. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus wasn't calling him to just get your act together and I'm going to send you out so you can go win souls for me and be a little robot and just go do my work. No, he said, come, I want you to sit next to me every day. He saw something in this man to the degree that he was like, man, there's, there's some stuff on the outside, but there's something on the inside with him that I want him every day. I want him every moment. If the worship team just... Come back up and just, David, if you could just start playing behind me. This all makes sense. It's not a long message, but I want you to understand this one thing. That he bought your dirt. So quit putting it back on yourself. Quit holding on to it. Quit looking at the stains that it left on your clothes as it was brushed off. Thinking you deserve it. He paid a price for that. I said he paid a price for that. That's his. He wants, he wants us more and more every day. This invitation, this message, it goes to me all the way around the room. This isn't just if you got sin issues in your life. This is, God, I want you more than anything else. 
if everyone could just stand across the room. Just real reverently, don't talk. Stay quiet. Tonight, he wants to exchange some things with you. And let me promise you something. The return is far greater than the thing that you hold within your hand. He doesn't want the depression in your hands anymore. He bought that. He wants to give you joy. He doesn't want the sorrow or heaviness of the world on your shoulders. He bought that. He wants you to have the burden that's easy and the yoke that's light. He wants you to have strength and not despair or weakness. These are the things that we have to exchange. The price of your freedom is within your hands. It's a matter of doing this. He can't give you something if you're holding on to things. I had a buddy, his name's Chase Thurkin. He used to always say that we can't receive anything from him as long as we're holding on to the thing in our hand. Because you can't receive like this. You try to hand me something like this, my hand's closed, I can't receive from you. But if I do this and let go of whatever's in my hands, whatever shame is in my hands, if I let go of that, then it frees it up for him to receive and give me joy, to give me life and life more abundant. everyone to close their eyes. I want everyone to hold out their hands in front of them, just like this. So everyone across the room, I want you to repeat after me real fast. Say, Jesus, I exchange everything in my hands for everything in yours. Every weight, every issue, every bit of shame, I exchange it for your joy, for your lightness, and for you and your relationship. Father, I just ask that every person in the room, every issue would be rolled right off, broken right off. I just pray every weight would be lifted. Every bit of anxiety flee. Every bit of anxiety flee. Every bit of panic or panic attacks would flee in Jesus' name that all weight would lift and that each and every one of your sons and daughters would know that you are good, you are good, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Psalms 23 says this, his mercy and his goodness follow me all the days of my life. God, I pray that your goodness and mercy would follow them all the days of their lives 
that your goodness and mercy would follow them as they leave this building and break every bit of weight off. I just, just want to just make some room up here in the front. If you guys could just take like two or three steps back. If I could just have the prayer team, anybody that's part of the Rock prayer team, do we have prayer, prayer team? Yeah. Just come and line up the front if, if my guys want to come to. This is my posse over here. They're all, they're all ministry school students. I grew up with them. They're legit. I just want to open. I don't want to give... I know at these things, I usually give an altar call, but I just, want to, I just want the room just to be open. Just if you want prayer, and you just got things weighing on you, we want to pray for you. We want, to, we want to see those things broken off. We want to see those things removed. If you've got shame, whatever it is, I don't know. But if you want any kind of prayer, these guys are open. There's, there's prayer team along the sides. And just feel free to come to somebody. We're just going to go back into worship. But I just want you to know this one thing before I put this mic down. That if you could remember one thing, he bought your dirt. He bought your dirt and it's no longer yours. And what he calls you now is a child of God. You are his sons and daughters. You're his sons and daughters and there's nothing you can do about it. You are his sons and daughters, and there's no good thing or bad thing you can do to change that reality. There's no feeling, no emotion that'll change that reality. He's a good father. He's a good father, and he wants the everydays. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. 